Thank you so much for tuning on in. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and this is another episode in conjunction with the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia of Living with Endo, the A to Z of Endometriosis. Yes, it is a podcast that focuses on all things endo. There's not many podcasts like it in the world, so make sure you give this a rating, give it five out of five, leave a review, because that way you are spreading the word to other endo warriors that this podcast exists. Now, at the moment in Australia, many of our states are in lockdown due to COVID. And in this chat, Dr. Erin Nesbitt-Hawes is going to be telling us the truths around COVID when it comes to the vaccine, fertility, pregnancy. Does the vaccine and COVID cause worse endometriosis? All of those questions are being answered in this special podcast. Please welcome Dr. Erin Nesbitt-Hawes, who is part of our clinical advisory committee and also one of Australia's leading obstetricians and gynecologists who specialises in all things endo. Hey, Erin, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Life in lockdown in Sydney. Who knows what week we're up to now? Um, it's all the all days just—it's really. all a giant blur. <laughs> That's right. Now, given everything going on at the moment, uh, with lockdown, with vaccinations for COVID, there's so many things and rumours and different theories going around. So I thought, let's get an expert on and ask all the questions, and you can clarify anything, everything for us. Absolutely, yeah. I'm happy, happy to be of help. I know a lot of my patients have had heaps of questions and there's a lot of stuff going around which doesn't have a lot of evidence to back it up Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's important everyone knows you know what what the what the issues are or aren't and what what they should be doing. Okay so first things first uh, what do we need to know about COVID and endometriosis? Yeah well the good news is is that while COVID can affect any and all of us, Mm. it's not more likely to affect women with endometriosis. So there's been some research out there looking at whether or not endometriosis itself gives women a sort of susceptibility to to getting the virus. Um, And it's not like endometriosis isn't really like a normal immune disease where we see sort of deficiencies perhaps in the immune system. Endometriosis is a disease that does have some features of affecting the immune system in terms of the way that the body deals with these endometrial-like cells, Um, but it doesn't mean that women with endometriosis have a reduced immunity. So that's good news. It means that You know, as a woman with endometriosis, you're no more likely to get the COVID virus than anyone else. Um, But with this current strain of COVID, you know, everyone's reasonably likely to get it. So it's certainly not a good one. Now, what about vaccinations? Uh, There are the two main ones in Australia, which are Pfizer and AstraZeneca. Um, Does this potentially flare up endometriosis? What, What do we need to know around the vaccine and endo? Yeah. Again, um, the vaccines are quite safe for women with endometriosis uh, and uh, they they offer good protection for everyone and certainly the, uh, whichever vaccine you decide to get or your 
doctor recommends that you get depending on your age group and um, other factors going on, neither of them have been shown to to sort of worsen endometriosis in terms of the disease. The way that both of them are processed in the body is actually a fairly localised processing. I think people don't uh, often realise, but when we're given the vaccine, it it's absorbed quite locally within the muscles in the arm, and then those muscles uh, express the spike protein, which is sort of the key component of. COVID, that's what our immune system then generates a response to. And within about 24 or 48 hours, uh, all of the vaccine components, as well as any of the mRNA and these spike proteins, they're actually all cleared from the body very quickly, which is which is good news. They don't float around in your system kind mm. of causing havoc. The thing that does then happen is that your body produces antibodies to the spike protein. So the antibodies do go around your system and that's fine because that's that's quite normal. You know, whenever we get a cough or a cold or a virus, we ourselves generate antibodies to those those viruses and they they're always floating around in our system. That's what provides the the immunity. And what about side effects? Will anyone with endometriosis feel different side effects compared with someone who doesn't have endo? Yeah, they they don't tend to feel different side effects. A lot of um, people report side effects after having the the vaccine. So mm-hmm. um, AstraZeneca tends to give more people uh, side effects on the first dose. More, more people are likely to get a bit of fever or fatigue or muscle aches. And with the Pfizer vaccination, it's the opposite. It tends to be the second one that causes a more um, sort of immune response in that way to get side effects from it. Um, Women with endo aren't more likely to get side effects than anyone else, but the side effects are pretty common. And they tend to be fairly short-lived for most people within a day or two or definitely within a week, feeling back to normal. And it's, uh, it's not a bad sign that you're getting some of those side effects. It actually means that your immune system is generating the correct response so that if you do then become exposed to the virus, uh, you you will you know generate a better immune response. There's definitely some uh, case reports and um, some women who are reporting with either vaccine that their menstrual cycle may just be a little bit weird for the cycle afterwards. So sometimes that might mean that you know a period might come a bit earlier, might be a bit heavier, and really the. We're not 100% sure whether women are reporting these symptoms just because they coincidentally happen at the same time and maybe something else is going on or whether the vaccine is actually triggering it. There's a number of different research studies looking into menstrual cycles at the moment and whether the vaccine does alter them. Uh, But I guess the important thing for women to realise is that while while you may get some bleeding after um, having a vaccination, it, it's probably just to do with the immune response, um, maybe interacting with with sort of the normal hormonal pattern that you might get with your natural period cycle. But that's only going to be short lived. That's just that might happen in the cycle afterwards, but it's not a long term uh, concern. It doesn't mean that anything's gone wrong. Um, And certainly one of the 
big concerns that I'm hearing from a lot of my patients at the moment is whether or not COVID might affect fertility. Yes. Um, so there's look, there's lots of lots of rumours flying around on social media about fertility issues and the vaccine, and uh, they they don't have a, a basis in terms of of the evidence that we've got. So we're really uh, very happy as a as a community of doctors that that the vaccines don't hurt um, or don't impair your fertility. Um, the the supposed sort of theories around this are, you know, firstly around whether the vaccine is floating around your system and can attack your ovaries. And as we've already talked about, that doesn't happen. Uh, that's not the way our bodies process it. And then the second sort of theory out there is whether or not, um, you know, the the formation of this sort of spike protein within the system and then the antibodies to that spike protein, whether it could have an actual sort of attacking um, role on a on a placental protein which is which is similar but not the same. And again, uh, it's a bit of a wild theory really and it and it doesn't have any basis. And and we know a lot more about COVID vaccination and pregnancy these days because we've got the benefit of looking to what's been happening in the United States, what's been happening in Europe, and they've been giving the vaccine in both of those areas mm. for quite a while now. Uh, and we, we know that it's it's also safe to give in pregnancy. It actually has has a number of benefits when we give it in pregnancy, so we're also recommending it for pregnant women. And what about someone who's going through IVF? Mm, yeah, it's it's a good um, thing to still have your vaccination even if you're going through IVF. Um, so it doesn't. The the only thing that we're sort of um, giving guidance for for women if they've got a procedure coming up, it's probably a good idea to try and space having the vaccination at least a couple of days beforehand. And that's really only just so that if you do develop a fever or some side effects or symptoms from the vaccine, we're not confused as to whether it's coming from the vaccine or coming from the procedure and a potential sort of infection situation after that, but not because it's actually going to interact with with the process. And um, few studies have looked into, into IVF and, and having the vaccine and looking at do women respond better to IVF medications before the vaccine or after the vaccine? And again, it's it's very stable. It's equivalent for women on either side of the vaccine. So our recommendations are that if women are planning a pregnancy, uh, we do recommend that you get vaccinated. Uh, if you're in, in during the pregnancy, we recommend vaccination as well. I think the big thing is if you are unsure around the vaccination, go and have a conversation with your GP or with a specialist because there is a lot of wild theories, especially Absolutely. during the rounds on social media. Uh, one of the greatest things I have seen is it's amazing how people who sit on a toilet and read something on the internet are all of a sudden expert when it comes to COVID. Don't believe stuff that you read on the internet. Go and speak to a professional like Erin and get the facts. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's hard to sort through the information that you get on social media and on various websites. And, you know, the, of course, the, the claims are usually backed up by 
by some theory or whatever and it's mm. and unless you're in the area i think it's really difficult to sift through even all of the scientific material that's coming out there's certainly lots and lots of research in in this space at the moment uh and and your health professional is going to be the best one to kind of give you guidance on that but in general um you know we just want to reassure women it's it's not going to have detrimental effects in fact you know the converse is true because we are really worried with the current delta strain of of covid and it's highly infectious if you're not vaccinated it can make you really really sick and to be honest for my patients i'm i'm more worried about my patients getting COVID, like mm. the virus, I'm, I'm not worried about them getting the vaccination. So, um, you know, the, having that bit of protection, even if then you still get COVID, and we know that vaccinated people can still get COVID, it just means that you're, you're more likely to just get a mild illness and it's not going to significantly affect you. And, um, you know, we, we do have lots of patients at the moment here in Sydney who haven't had the vaccine and who are in hospital or in ICU and that includes women who are who are pregnant we've been looking after pregnant women in ICU in our local hospital and it's it's really devastating like that that's what we're trying to prevent wow that breaks my heart i hope that she's doing okay yeah, everyone's doing okay now, which is good. Um, uh, but but it does just bring it home, I think. You know, this is not something that we should be ignoring anymore. This is something that we should all try and be really proactive about um, because the, the, the more coverage we can get and the better protection, I think, then the safer everyone's going to be. Absolutely. And to keep your family safe too. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Now, Erin, a lot of endo warriors in New South Wales, the ACT and Victoria may have been affected when it comes to endo treatments or surgeries. Oh, and with lockdown, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the electoral surgeries have been postponed because, you know, they're trying to make it so the hospital's not so busy. Um, wh what do you know about that? That's right. Look, it, it, is, it is a definite problem for lots of women with endo at the moment. And I think especially in this sort of long lockdown where access to medical care might be harder, certainly things like accessing all of the uh, extra alternative therapies and physiotherapy and things like that is all really very difficult, I know, for women with endo. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's also just that lack of social support networks and, you know, being able to talk to people about how you're feeling and having to go through pain potentially you know in lockdown on your own or with very few social supports is really really tough for a lot of our patients and I know a lot of women are, uh, are feeling it at the moment um, and then added to that we've got this current sort of restriction on what we can do especially in New South Wales as far as as surgery goes um, and you're right, the, the reasoning behind it is because the government needs to free up as much medical staff within the hospital so that we can uh, help with the influx of patients that are coming in with COVID. And certainly, I guess another thing that, that we're really um, conscious of is that we don't want to be bringing healthy people into a hospital where they could 
inadvertently, you know, have an exposure to someone or, or be at more risk. Uh, so I, I think it's the, the important thing at the moment is to try and speak to your health professionals and to your specialists. Um, you know, if you're on a waiting list for surgery, it's it is likely that unfortunately a lot of those surgeries are going to have to be postponed at the moment and we know that everyone's doing it tough and uh, we're, we're going along with the guidelines given that from the government but there, there are usually some other things that we can do as well in terms of trying to help improve treatment of endometriosis so you know definitely bring it up with your doctor about whether there's some alternatives or something else you could be doing in in the meantime just to help get you through and then as soon as as soon as the elective operating becomes you know something that we can return to then obviously you know you'll be able to access your surgeries at that time but I know a lot of women are, are frustrated and understandably so it's just a difficult situation we're all in. That must be really hard for you as well because you want to be able to help these people out. Absolutely yeah look it is it's really hard and you know I've had patients who have you know been crying on the phone to me and and things like that and I really do feel for everyone because I know that especially if you've been on a waiting list for a while anyway to try and get an operation done it's just like another big blow when it's on hold um and yeah we look we're we're not doing it to make everyone feel feel worse but hopefully there might be some other other things that we can offer in the in the meantime so yeah definitely see what you can access. The big learning out of this, Erin, is to pick up the phone, call your GP, call your specialist. Um, if you are in pain, if you need to reach out to someone, it's to get that conversation going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't just, don't just suffer in silence at home um, uh, because that's not good for anyone's mental health, that's for sure. And, um, uh, you know, there's, there are lots of options and there's lots of specialists out there looking after women with endo and, um, you know, yeah, give it, get in contact because um, we don't want you to be struggling, you know, and feeling like you're on your own, especially at the moment because mm. everyone feels a little bit isolated. It's a strange time for many and we do send our big love and hugs to those endo warriors who are alone. And just quickly, you have written on the Endometriosis Australia website an amazing blog around pregnancy and endo. Do highly recommend uh, because you've gone through and you've, it's kind of like a really great understanding as to how fertility can be affected by endo. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I mean, I, I straddle a little bit of both. I do lots of um, gynaecology and, and endometriosis care, but I, I also am an obstetrician. So a lot of my patients see me for obstetric care. And again, I think it's an area where, you know, women don't necessarily realise what the, what the factors might be or whether or not there's going to be implications in terms of fertility and pregnancy and things like that. So um, uh, again, I'd, I'm, I'm all for women empowering themselves and getting, getting information, but also, you know, reaching out to health professionals because we, we don't want to keep you in the dark. We want you to know, you know, what we know and, and help guide your pathway however it goes. Erin, can all specialists be just like you? Can we clone you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, everyone's everyone's different, but look, I think I think the 
the the flow is changing a lot more these days and I do think a lot of women you know in the past 10 or 20 years have have struggled a lot and we know you know from all of the research that uh, women with endometriosis are a big group who struggle to get people to listen to them and to acknowledge what's going on and to really believe and you know try and help um, but there's so much work in this space I'm really really proud about what you know groups like endometriosis Australia are doing and all of the you know sort of different education platforms that are now out there for our GPs and our specialists and things like that and I do think that it's it's becoming a better environment I think we've still got heaps of work to do but um, uh, you know being being empowered and being in control of your healthcare, I think, is so important. And so that's what I try and, you know, empower my patients with. Well, I've loved chatting with you, Erin. Uh, you're a breath of fresh air when it comes to specialists. And you're right. Things are changing, but they do need to still continue to change. And thank you so much as well for clearing up everything we needed to know when it comes to endo and COVID. Um, the one big learning, book in an appointment with your GP and start that conversation around vaccinations if you are unsure. Absolutely. Exactly. It's a pleasure being here, Ellie, and I'm always happy to have a chat about anything endo. <laughs> Dr. Erin Nesbitt-Hawes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. And you can read more from Dr. Erin Nesbitt-Hawes on our website. She has written a bunch of blogs when it comes to fertility and endometriosis at endometriosisaustralia.org. You can also reach out to her as well. She is based through Alana Healthcare in Sydney. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Living With Endo, touching on all of the rumours and truths around COVID and endometriosis. If you have loved this, make sure that you share it, you give it a rating, get the word out to all the other endo warriors that there's a podcast around endometriosis. This is here for everyone to share, made proudly with the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia. Have a beautiful day, stay safe, and I look forward to chatting with you soon.